Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, this is the This Glorious Mess Toddler Handbook, your guide to the highs and lows of the toddler years. I'm Tegan Atolli, I'm a business owner, co-host of This Glorious Mess, and I had three babies in 13 months. So yes, that means I pretty much have three toddlers running around. However, I am by no means an expert, and that's where this podcast comes in. For the next four weeks, I'm going to be speaking to four different experts about getting to the bottom of your toddler's behaviour. First up, it's sleep. When I had my twins, I naively had no idea about anything to do with baby sleep. And when they were about three months old, everything turned to an absolute mess from day to night. So with the help of a sleep specialist, I was able to get them on a really great sleep routine. And I ended up doing the exact same thing for my son pretty early on, about 12 months later. Now I have found that toddlers are a whole different thing. You are dealing with little humans that can articulate their wants and their needs. Their brains are so stimulated, learning so many new things every day and leaving them with so many questions. And we all know they can get very creative at doing anything to avoid a nap or bedtime. So we're enlisting the help of Lauren Beaton from Little Bow Sleep to tackle this tricky topic. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Let's start with a common sleep problem, night waking and difficulty returning to sleep. What are some reasons that this happens and what are some things that we might be able to pop in place to mitigate this? Super common problem for parents of toddlers, particularly you you get through bedtime, you get toddlers to sleep and then all of a sudden they're awake again at different points in the night and it happens for different reasons. So some of the common ones are that their day routine and their day sleep and bedtime just isn't supporting their night sleep anymore. Their sleep over the 24-hour period just isn't aligning so they're waking more frequently at night time as a result of it. So does that mean that they are not having enough naps or they're having too many naps in the day or? It could go either way. So it could be sleeping for too long and then that's just interfering with night sleep or they're not sleeping for long enough or being awake for too long in the evening and then they're getting overtired and that's creating the night wakes to happen. So it's really understanding what that balance is for them to be able to best structure their full 24 hours, their day sleep and their night sleep to support them getting consolidated sleep overnight. The magic number, like what is the perfect balance for that child? Exactly. And it changes. So it's so different for different children. So it's, you know, what will work for one, two and a half year old will be different for another one. If this is happening for a parent, what are some things that they can do during the night to, I suppose, limit this from happening as an ongoing thing? 
So I think the first thing I always look at is understanding what is happening during the wake up and understanding what that particular toddler is doing. So are they undertired? Are they overtired? What is happening? From there, we really want to be able to set a plan in place to structure their day to be able to mitigate that from happening at all. But we also want to understand, you know, is the toddler having a good wind down routine before they go to bed mm. and really helping them get relaxed and settled into bedtime? Because sometimes toddlers have so much going on inside their little brains as well. So they'll have, you know, changes and new siblings and things that happen at childcare and yes. you know, they're learning and developing at such a high rate emotionally and socially and physically that there's so much going on. So we really want to understand what's happening with that particular toddler and then do things to support that particular toddler. Like, you know, for example, if they are struggling with being scared of the dark, for example, and they're waking up really quite frightened, you know, introducing something like a nightlight or comfort items can really be helpful. And even just as a parent, having a bit of a plan in place yourself when it's the middle of the night and you're exhausted <laughs> to go, what am I going to do? Let's be real here. I think <laughs> the reason we all want our kids to sleep is because we want to sleep. We want to get some solid uninterrupted sleep. You mentioned before about figuring out whether they're overtired or undertired. What are some cues that might help us understand which of which? Toddlers will have two things that will happen when they're overtired going to bed. They usually either seem tired and then get sort of a burst of energy before bedtime and you, it's like this second wind. And this like, is my son every night. Oh, my God. I'm like, why are you so hypo? It is so late. Yep. And you're like, oh, I think I missed the boat. Yep, I did. I missed it. I yep. missed it. And you've got this hit of cortisol and it acts like adrenaline <laughs> and that's that little bit of overtiredness that just this high energy comes back because that adrenaline's pumping through that system. The second element with overtiredness tends to be a whole lot more of high emotions and things that may seemingly not make sense that you're like, why are you upset that the neighbor's dog died six months ago? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. what? Like, what's going on? Yes. And it's this really high emotion where they just stop making sense of anything. So if you see those sort of things happening, you'd go, hey, let's bring bedtime earlier and let's really focus our wind down to happen that fair bit earlier. An undertired toddler will just usually prolong bedtime and they just take heaps longer to go to sleep. They've got lots of requests. They've got lots of things. They just don't seem that tired and can really push through for a relatively long period of time, even past the point where they've actually gotten tired because they've gone to bed that little bit undertired to start with. The other thing that can happen is that they go to sleep but then wake up in the nighttime because they've had a decent amount of sleep, but they've had a really big chunk of day sleep as well. So yeah. it can sort of create a bit of a split night that means that they're sort of having this longer awake period overnight because they're just not tired enough to be able to really be sleeping. So that actually brings me to my next question. I love the quote, no one has more on their to-do list than a toddler at bedtime. And in my house with three toddlers at the moment, this is what I'm dealing with every night. So what are some tips? And I bet you every listener right now will be hanging on the edge of their seat to hear this. What are some tips for general bedtime resistance? How can we get them in the bed and get them staying in that bed? To sleep and stay there without it lasting yes. an hour and a half. Oh, or... I need some milk. Oh, I need to go to the toilet. Oh, the sun's out. Oh, I forgot my toy that I didn't play with for six months. There's always something on their to-do list. Always something. So toddlers need really clear and consistent boundaries for bedtime. Otherwise, you end up in this sort of to and fro battle of I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And really being able to have a very clear structure in place for bedtime really helps. Even things like visual charts of saying, here's a little picture chart of all the things that we do at bedtime so we can mm. walk through step by step. And it really takes a lot of the guesswork out of it for them to be able to think, oh, can I push that boundary? Because it's clearly illustrated for them that we get 
two books at bedtime, we say goodnight to the dog, add in all these elements that they want to do and then add in elements of control that they get. Yeah, have a cup of milk, go to the toilet. Okay, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about naps. What age should toddlers stop napping? Is there a magic number or is it dependent on the child? It's really toddler dependent and it can range really anywhere from like just before two and a half up until closer to four. So there is a really big range and it really depends on whether your toddler's continuing to happily nap and really is wanting that nap, how the nap is going, if they're, you know, really taking the nap really well, but then their night or their bedtime or their overnight sleep is being impacted by it. Or it sometimes gets to a point where a toddler just completely resists napping altogether during the day and you can't force a child, a baby, anyone to nap. So that sort of forces your hand a little bit in jumping more in towards that nap transition. And it's a big jump for toddlers because a lot of the time they'll go from being awake for five or six hours through to being awake to 11 to 12 hours overnight. So it's a huge jump in kind of awake time that they need to handle. Can that transition sometimes take quite a while? I know my son, some days he will nap and then some days we might be able to push through without one, but it is a bit sort of hit and miss each day. Absolutely. And I think flexibility is key when you're going through that nap transition because you're right, some days he'll need a nap and other days he won't need a nap. And sometimes having that balance between, you know, every second day or then every third day and reading how he's going during the day can help you see what needs to happen in that particular day while you're in this process of dropping the nap completely. So over the course of sometimes it's six months before a toddler will completely drop their day nap. But it's this sort of toing and froing and really reading where they're at at that time. And usually by lunchtime, you can kind of say, Yeah, you're going to need, you're going to need, <laughs> you're not going to make it through to six o'clock. No way. We're not going to make it here. So you're going to need to go to bed. Oh my gosh. And it's a sad time for parents, isn't it? When your toddler drops their nap, I'm like, <laughs> Wow, that was the one to two hours of peace in my day where I could have a coffee. <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, I think the flip side, particularly if you're getting these bedtime battles and the bedtime resistance, is the that the evenings become a whole lot better and nights can get better again. So sometimes it is a bit of a double-edged sword that you kind of get into this like, yeah, it's nice to have the nap, but oh, it's really horrible by the time bedtime comes around. So choose your battles. Exactly. Now, another thing that I know a lot of my friends' kids have experienced is nightmares and night terrors, and they can be such a huge problem for some parents. Is there anything that can be done there? They're two very different things. So nightmares tend to happen in the second half of the night in more of your REM sleep cycles. And they are really common with young kids because their imagination develops and also their understanding of the world develops where they can start to create fears or negative thoughts or just a lack of understanding around particular things that they're more aware of. So if you find that your toddler is having a reoccurring nightmare or a reoccurring theme of nightmare, I'd look for any triggers throughout the day where you can try and mitigate that from being too much of a fear with them. That may be a particular book that they're reading or a show that they're watching that's creating that little bit of a fear that when they go into that sleep and when they're sort of in that subconscious state, not able to process as easily as what they would when they're awake. So have a look for any triggers or any reoccurring themes. During the time of a nightmare, I try to not talk about it too much and be like, oh, where's the monster? What's happening? Don't try and talk about the actual nightmare itself. More reassure your toddler that they're safe. 
they're fine, you're there. And focus on the unicorn and rainbows that they're going to dream about tonight. Yep, yep, (laughs) and just, you know, all the happy thoughts and that they're in a safe environment and you're there for them and everything's okay and, you know, help them kind of get back into sleep. And then you can talk about it the next day when it's light and it's not scary to help them make sense of their dreams a bit. Whereas night terrors tend to be more in a really sort of unconscious state and a lot of the time toddlers won't be responsive in how they respond when you actually go into them. So, oh, And that's the scariest part, isn't it? My kids have not had any, but I have nieces and nephews and friends' kids who, you know, it can be quite terrifying not only for the child but for the parent as well. Are you meant to intervene or do you just write it out? You want to write it out. You want to make sure that your toddler's safe. So that's the biggest thing because they're not conscious and they're not actually awake. The positive for them is that they won't normally remember it. It's more scary for a parent to go in and be like, if I touch you, you're not responding. If I cuddle you, you're thrashing away from me. And they're actually not awake. So you want to make sure that they're in a safe environment. And a lot of the time, person, when my kids have had them, I've stayed with them just to make sure they stay in that safe environment and really continue to offer support. And eventually they sort of come around and settle back into sleep. But a lot of the time they are triggered by something. So really common triggers will be overtiredness and they tend to be more common with overtiredness or illnesses. So you know, sick kids and overtired tend to happen a little bit more frequently or I guess too much stimulation at the same point as well. So sometimes things like reducing screen time or changing the wind down can also help with that settling into that period of non-REM sleep, which the night terrors tend to happen in. Wow, that is so interesting. Okay, finally, we have talked about this so much on TGM, changing to the big kid bed. Do you have any advice? Lee and I in this glorious mess are both believers of keep your kid in that cot for as long as possible. What are your tips? You're the expert here, not us. So, <laughs> Oh, I am totally with you. Keep them in the cot as long as you can. Hold off on that transition until I would aim for at least two and a half, if not even closer to three or older if they're happy to stay in. The one caveat is that safety is the priority. So if a toddler's climbing out, it no longer becomes safe for them to stay in a cot. So it kind of forces your hand a little bit. The older the toddler is, the more capable they're going to be of following guidelines or boundaries of staying in bed and understand what that change actually is. So I think when you're ready to make that change or you think, you know what, my three-year-old is ready, I'm ready, hey, they're too big for their cot. And sometimes that's an element where you go, you know what, you, you're too big for yeah. their space anymore. You can't fit here anymore. Move. Or they, they become a little bit more wakeful because they're hitting the sides and just don't have that room to move around. So when you're ready to do it, I would really try and get them involved in the process as much as possible. So make it fun, make it exciting, talk them through what the changes are going to be, start to prepare them for that change ahead of time. So it's not just a, hey, look, there's a big bed here. You're now going to sleep here. It's a process where they can get their little mind wrapped around it, what that's going to mean and talk about the things that they can do about, you know, when you go to bed, you stay in bed. Sleep trainer clocks can be really handy with this because it gives them a visual cue of when they can and can't get out of bed. And what that actually means, obviously, you know, they can't tell the time. So it makes it really tricky if they're like, is it it morning or is it, yeah, is it 4am? Like, is it okay for me to get out of bed? But the more involved they are in the process, the more positive it can be for everyone. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lauren. You have been a ball of knowledge and we are so grateful to have you. You can find out more about her at littlebowsleep.com.au and we'll pop the link in the show notes for you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of The Toddler Handbook. I'll be back in your ears next week when we explore nutrition for fussy toddlers. And boy, do I need that help. See you then. 